Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want to talk to you this morning from this scripture. Um, there's many references in the Bible talking about Jesus. Uh, we know the stories, the miraculous stories of him, uh, you know, producing all the bread for the 4,000, 5,000 that was just mentioned. We see this many times. But I, I, if you look at a lot of the miracles that happen with Jesus, you'll see that he uses these parables, all these miracles, to kind of explain a bit about who he is. And uh, you'll see that he says that I am the bread of life. And so when we see these terminology, he does these miracles to kind of to show that. And then he says, but I am the bread of life. In other words, in the Old Testament, when many of you may know, if you don't know, there was once a time when the, the Israelites, they were going through the desert and they were pr- provided with manna from heaven. So, you know, at that time there was bread falling out of the sky. And landing and they were eating to, pr- to provide for them in their desert experience. And Jesus comes on the scene, but he, in a sense, um, if you imagine when he does these miracles and he feeds the 4,000, the 5,000, he doesn't say, right, everyone stand here and I'm going to perform the miracle that was in the Old Testament and I'm going to now command all the bread to fall from heaven. But in fact, Jesus himself does the miracle and he's involved practically in the miracle. So it's very different. I mean, he is, if he's God, he could command the bread to fall again. He could say, well, I'm going to show you that the same God that you knew in the Old Testament can make the bread fall from the sky and appear. But no, it's going to be different. I'm going to show you that participating in this miracle, I'm part of this, and he changes, he, he multiplies the bread. So there is some bread to start with, some physical bread. It's interesting to note that the previous chapter before we've just read, if you look, is the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew chapter 15. So in Matthew chapter 15, right at the end, before you go into this story where he's challenging the Pharisees, he's talking to the disciples on the boat and saying, you know, they're saying we've got no bread. And he's saying, you know, have you not forgot about the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000? Listen, they've just been in a previous chapter. It's not long after. They've just seen this amazing miracle of seven loaves been uh, multiplied to feed 4,000 people, but yet they're talking about forgetting bread. There's only one chapter, but yet they're forgetting about this. And if you notice what Jesus says, he hears them talking about this bread, but he doesn't, talk, he doesn't mention much about the bread. He talks about another thing, and he talks about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He talks about the yeast, their, in other words, their bad teaching. The teaching that can easily permeate into your life from others, and it doesn't have to just be Christians, but other people presenting things to you that can change the way you think about Jesus Christ. You see, what they said is at the beginning, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they said, you know, I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I'm sure that they got a, they'd have seen a Twitter post that 4,000 people have just been fed. They'd have heard something on the lines about such a huge miracle through word of mouth at least, if not Twitter. They would have heard that Jesus had just performed a miracle of multiplication with bread. However, they say, show us a sign from heaven. 
what I believe that they're looking for is, show us and replicate the same sign that was in the Old Testament. If you're God, the God who provided for our ancestors, then replicate that from heaven. We want to see it fall from heaven. Not you doing the miracle physically. We want to see it fall. If we can see that, we'll link the two together and we'll believe you. We'll believe that you are God. But yet, they ask for these signs and Jesus responds and says to them, he says, you are so good at forecasting the weather. He says to them about looking at the natural signs of looking at the sky red at night, looking at the sky red in the morning. He says, you're so good. He, he, you know, he, he congratulates them on their forecasting weather techniques. But he says, you cannot see the signs of the times. You cannot recognize that I am the I am. Amen. And he talks about yeast to his disciples in the book. They're crossing over in the book and it says... They're talking because they've got no bread. Now listen to me. If you've just seen a miracle in Matthew chapter 15, just a few sentences before, we don't know the exact time, but if you've just seen this miracle and you've seen that out of seven loaves, these 4,000 were fed and it says that seven basketfuls were left over. In the feeding of the 5,000, there were 12 baskets left over. So Jesus didn't just feed all the people, he left some spare bits as well. And what I find interesting is that out of all the seven basketfuls, you know, if it was me, I think I would have grabbed some of the bread and I would have made sure it was on the boat. But it's strange that they say we've got, they're talking about forgetting the bread. And then Jesus goes on to talk about this yeast. Now, I don't know if you know much about yeast. I'm not a baker, by the way. I don't bake bread. But there's one thing I do know, that yeast is essential in bread. If you want to bake bread, anyone bake bread here? Well, best be careful what I'm saying. If you bake bread, you'll know that yeast is essential. In fact, it's essential for the rising of the bread. Because what it does is it's, it produces carbon dioxide and it makes it allows the, the dough, even before it goes into the oven, to rise. So it allows it to rise. Now, I believe that when Jesus talks to them and he's using these illustrations, he's trying to tell them, listen, I, I believe this. If you've got bad yeast, it ain't going to rise very well. So he's saying, do you realize that if you let uh, bad teaching come in, if you uh, forget the teachings of what I'm saying about the miraculous and the fact that you can see multiplication, if you let people talk you around differently, you will see that you'll get bad yeast. In fact, the truth is you will not rise in your spiritual life. I believe that yeast can go bad and you can't get much rise in it. And I believe that Jesus wants every one of you to be careful. He says many times in this story, and this is kind of the essence of today, he says, be on your guard. Be careful. Be careful. You know, you think they've seen this miracle, they'd be so excited. You know, we're never going to forget this. This is an amazing thing. There are many people in this room who've seen some amazing things of God over the last few years. They've seen miracles, they've seen healing. But do you know what? Don't get comfortable thinking that you are comfortable and you're okay just because you've seen something. Because the enemy or people are there right at your door to try and rob you of your faith. Almost so that you even forget about the things you've seen. You know, we can forget all the dream big stuff. It's, it's all good talking about dreaming big. But you can forget all that if you haven't got faith for dreaming big. 
We need the miraculous here to see what God wants to do. Not just the practical measures. We need the miraculous power of God. People can influence you more than Christ sometimes. And what he's saying is, do you know you're on the boat with me, but you've just, you've just heard the Pharisees questioning about the wanting a sign. Don't you realize, guys, in Matthew 15, you've just seen me feed 4,000 people out of seven loaves of bread. Do not forget that. He knew that quite easily they could forget. I want to ask you this morning, first of all, are people affecting you or activating you? Are people affecting you or activating you? Forget the religious types. There are going to be people in your life, in your families, in your associations. There's people who are like the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they're sad, you see. They're going to be putting their negativity and their views upon you so that you start to lose your faith. And you don't believe in this. Let me tell you today, the Spirit of God is here in this house. He is here this morning to instill faith, to remind you not to forget. We need the influence of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We don't need negativity and people putting what God is doing down. If you've got a negative view, well, I'm sure eventually you, if you hang around people who see these kind of things, who believe in this kind of things, it's going to rub off on you. But if you hang around the negative people, you're going to become negative too. You're going to have this view of negativity. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you today, I believe God is going to do something something very special. We're going to pray at the end of this service today. And God is going to, for those who are hungry for his spirit, there's going to be a time we're going to pray. And God is going to do some special things today. Amen. You be ready for it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you this morning. The title of this message is The Essential Ingredient. The Essential Ingredient. You see, yeast is essential. But if it's not very good, then it's not going to be very effective. So if you let some bad yeast come into your life, you're not going to have a very effective Christian life. You know, there's so many people, so many Christians, look, they walk around looking so depressed. You think, why on earth? You know, you think, actually, have you chose the right faith? You know, it's not a very good advert for Christianity. And people wander around looking so sad and dejected. When really they have just, if, if you're truly saved and you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be alive in your heart. We shouldn't be looking down and putting our head down and looking dejected and looking low. We should be alive. And I want to encourage you this morning that the Spirit of the Lord is in this house. But sometimes the people we hang around, they turn us away. And Jesus wants to remind you today, listen, if we're all in a big boat today saying, listen, don't listen to the negative people. Don't listen to the ones who look like they've got it all together in religion. Don't do this. Listen to me, the very author of life. I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what he says to you this morning in the boat. Picture yourself in a big, huge boat today. He's saying to you, listen, I'm telling you guys, 
There are going to be people who try to look for other signs. They're trying to make their own signs to suit them. But you can see it for yourself. See, I believe the essential ingredient is the Holy Spirit. He's the best yeast you're going to get. He's the best yeast you're going to get. Because he is going to multiply, he's going to do things in your life, and he's going to make, he's going to produce the best out of you. But you've got to let him in. You've got to let the Holy Spirit become the very center of your life. What's at stake if we leave out the Holy Spirit and we do, and we let bad yeast come in? Negativity. See, Jesus said this. He said, if you keep my commands, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. That's how he describes the Holy Spirit. To help you. To help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and he will be in you. Number one today. The first thing I want to say is. That if you have the spirit of God. You have the good yeast in your life. And you reject the things. The bad stuff. The negativity, the spirit will give you heavenly insight. He will give you heavenly insight. Many people love to know the fact that we can, uh, in, in the prophetic, we can hear from God and we can hear his voice. I love this. I love the fact that Jesus still speaks today. If you don't know that, he does. His spirit is here today to speak into lives. He speaks through his word, but he also speaks for today. The very now words for today. And you see, what these disciples had is the ability to have supernatural insight. Heavenly insight. They knew that Jesus was from heaven. They knew that he was sent from heaven. That he was the bread of life. Therefore, they knew they had some heavenly connection. And I want to say to you today that if you allow the Spirit of God to come into your life, set you ablaze in your heart, you will begin to hear His voice. You'll hear Him so clearly. Some of you are saying, I I want to know what it means this, my sheep hear my voice. Well, it means when you allow the Spirit of God to come and live inside of you, to set you on fire. And listen for His voice, you will hear Him. And you will have heavenly insight. You see, the problem is the yeast of the Pharisees causes you not to have this heavenly insight. And all you do is rely on your forecasting weather abilities. The natural stuff. The natural signs. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to rely on the natural signs. I want the signs from heaven that God speaks to me and I've got a direct line to him. I've got a direct line. The Pharisees were actually blind. They thought they were clever in seeing these, uh, seeing the weather for tomorrow. But he says, you can do this really well, guys. Well done. Big tick. But can you see into the heavenly realms? Can you see into the realms of heaven? Do you see with insight in the supernatural, not the natural? And I want to say to you today, we've got to be a church that sees in the supernatural. Look, some people don't like the word supernatural. It sounds a little bit scary. Listen, supernatural is just natural, but a little bit better. It's super. You like Superman, don't you? Supernatural means above and beyond the normal. Supernatural means it's bigger and better than what you have every single day. What everyone else can have. 
Listen, I don't, I know the weather's good these days. I mean, at one point you used to see some guy hopping around on a, on an island in, in England and telling you what the weather's going to be on some, some little island saying, you know, today it might be a bit cloudy and it never seemed to happen as the way they said. Today you download an app and it tells you what the weather's going to be like in the next five minutes. It tells you whether a cloud's going to come over. You know, we're good at telling the natural signs, technology, everything and the abilities allow us to do this kind of forecasting. But listen to me, I believe we need to be a church that sees things supernaturally, above and beyond. Listen, if you let the yeast of the Pharisees come in, the negativity, and you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to be relying on the natural. Well, have a good time. But I know what I want. When Jesus wants to give us heavenly insight that says, guys, you don't need to question me for the signs. You can see it. In fact, can you remember last chapter, guys? We've just seen 4,000 people get fed because you could see that I am the son of God. You could see that I am who I am. Heavenly insight. People can influence you if you're not careful. The bad yeast, more than the Holy Spirit, more than Jesus Christ. They can influence you more. Their negative words can Put you in a place where you start to disbelieve. It's not just Christians. You go tomorrow to work and you start telling people that, oh, I had a good time in church yesterday and and, and it's so good to be in church. You tell people and sometimes a few words can knock you down. You know what it's like. People can say things like, you believe in that rubbish? And they'll come with some scientific answer. At the moment, on, on, I was reading the other day that there's a new TV presenter for BBC and he's getting lots of flack just because he, he says, I believe in the God of creation. That he, he you know, the, the, the world was created and they're saying this is ridiculous. He shouldn't be presenting on BBC. I mean, it's terrible. Listen, I don't know how God did it, but I know there would be an extremely big bang when he did it. I don't know how he did it and I wasn't there, but I know this by faith. I don't need to ask all those questions. I'm not bothered about the past. I'm worried about the future. Because I know where my hope is. And he gives me an anchor for my soul. That's what the word of God says. I don't know if you've got the anchor for your soul. Forget about digging into the past. You'll spend all your life looking for Darwin's theory and find out you're wrong. Look to the future. Look to the future because the future's already written. He is alive and he's returning. For his bride. He will give you heavenly insight. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this. Iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. We love this verse. All the guys get together and the women get together. You know, iron sharpens iron. I want to ask you today. Sometimes you can have the wrong iron sharpening you. What iron is sharpening you? Forget whether iron sharpens iron. Make sure it's the right iron. Because sometimes some blunt knives can sharpen blunt other knives. And it's not very good. But good iron sharpens well. Make sure it's good iron. Make sure you're around the right people. Make sure you're around. Do you know what someone once used to say to me? I used to say, I love the prophetic. I love uh, the fact that God speaks. People used to say, well, get around prophets then. Hang around prophets. Hang around people who are on fire. Don't hang around people who say that God doesn't speak today. So I want to encourage you. If you're around these people who say that God doesn't, you go and hang around some of the prophets. You'll see what happens. Iron will sharpen iron. You'll become a prophet. You want these gifts? Eagerly seek after them. Go and hang around with the people on fire for the Lord. Make sure you know what iron is sharpening you. 
there's some sharp people you need to avoid. Isn't there? There's some really sharp people out there. You've got to avoid them, like the plague. You know? Some, I know we've got to be, we've got to be people who go and talk to people and, and evangelize, but sometimes you just got to get out of the room. I don't know about you, but I'm sometimes with people who are so negative. I think, what am I doing with you? I cannot wait till this conversation ends. I cannot wait till you leave. In fact, I am never going to meet you again. You know what it's like. Listen, get out of the way of these people. If they're not going to sharpen you, get out of the room. We're worried sometimes that the Lord's going to think differently. Listen, you spend time. If Jesus said go into a village, shake the dust off your feet if people ain't listening. Well, he said it clearly, didn't he? If sometimes people ain't listening, they're negative and they're having a greater influence on you than the Holy Spirit, then you need to get them out of your life. Go and let them pass to someone else. Some religious ingredients have the power to destroy your faith. Do you hear that? Some religious ingredients, they look really good on paper. They have the power to destroy your faith. They'll ruin it. And I want to, I really believe the Lord wants to speak to some people today to encourage you. Do not let these bad ingredients get onto your list. Do not let them come in. I know years, a few years back, I, I used to look, I, I do like a bit of cooking, but it's so much easier to ring the Tandoori Palace. Isn't it? Good, good Indian, I'm a great fan of Indian food, by the way. I love Indian food. If there's any Indians in here and you like to cook me a curry, please send it my way. But I love Indian food. And many years ago, I went out and I said to Emma, I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and cook like an Indian. So I went out and I literally bought a book, the Curry Bible or whatever it was called. And I went to try and, I went to try and cook like, get everything I needed. And this wasn't just buying, you know, Patak's sauce in the jar. This was buy every single ingredient you need, all the powders. You know what it's like, Ida. And to get all these things and make the piss. And I remember one thing in the book, it said the first line, it said, for this one particular powder you need two teaspoonfuls of, you need 15 ingredients to mix first. And then you take a teaspoon of that once you've made it. So I spent 50, I got 15 different spices, made all these batches up. Emma was saying, what are you doing? The house smelt underneath the stairs of curry. You know, I, I was just going, I was going crazy. But the crazy thing is that it was costing me far more than ringing up and just ordering an Indian. And I was trying to make it the same as they did. And I thought, well, why am I spending all this time when I just go to the Indian? And so after a bit, I thought, you know, I, I got rid of the curry Bible book. I thought, there's too much work involved. The freezer's full of different things, masala sauces. So I, th- I said, I'm going to, I start getting, I went down and, you know, at Christmas, you go into Tesco's or you go into one of these bookshops. Isn't it always the same? There is always, always Jamie Oliver books on sale. How many of you got a Jamie Oliver book on your shelf, but you never look at it? Yeah. We've got three. And there's only one page that's got dirty marks on. That's the fish pie, because it's the easiest one. You flick through our book, it's all clean. You get to fish pie and it's dirty. It's because I always do fish pie. You come round to my house, I'll do you fish pie. I'm really good at it. Yeah. But it's true. And do you know what? We look for these five-minute meal. I, I look now for the books at Christmas in the garden centers. Five-minute meal. The problem is this. You open the book. The first thing you see is this. You think, this is going to be easy, five minutes. The problem is, the first ingredient you haven't got in your shelf. He said five minutes, but you need a certain ingredient. 
And so you think, I, you know, five minutes, that's good and well, but it'll take me 15 minutes to go to Tesco's and get this. And you, you quit on it. And sometimes we, we look at these ingredients and we give up. We give up because we haven't got it. And I want to say to you today, the Holy Spirit is available. Don't give up on him just because you don't feel that your Christian walk's not going very well. Don't give up on him because he wants to be part of your life. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to send the advocate, the helper. I'm going to send the one who's the essential ingredient for your life. Because I'm about to leave you. I'm going to send one like me to be with you, to help you. The problem is some of us in our lives, we try to push him aside. And we don't bother with him as part of the recipe of our Christian faith. I want to say, don't let other ingredients come in. Galatians 5 Verse 7 to 10, Paul says this. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. That's the spirit of God, Jesus. Then he says, verse 9, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. In other words, he says, it's interesting, he doesn't say, you know, what kind of things distracted you, what TV programs distracted you. He doesn't say what kind of things got in the way of your faith, you know, some of the hobbies you like doing. He says, who cut in on you? In other words, people can be a major distraction to your faith. He doesn't say, as Netflix interrupted your Christian life. He says, who cut in on you? I want to say to you today, who's cutting on your life? Which negative people, which people are influencing your Christian walk? Who has cut in on you? Because he even uses the terminology, a little yeast. He understands that same terminology, that a little yeast, this negativity of these people can influence you and work through the whole batch of dough until you find that it's, they're part of your life. They're part of your thinking. He's changed your thinking in life. You know, sometimes the who can be your flesh as well, your own self. You begin to tell yourself. You tell yourself negative things. You start to tell yourself, this is who, this is where I am, this is who I am, and we become our own worst nightmare. Have you ever found that? Sometimes you spend too long with yourself, it's a bit depressing. You do need to get with some other people. Maybe you find that some of the negative people are not as negative as you are. But sometimes it's like that. The enemy will use and he'll bring things into our minds to make us put ourselves down. But I believe we need to remind ourselves that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. He says very differently about you. We can be that Pharisee in our own mind. Pharisaical thinking. A little yeast will work through the whole batch You see, the problem is this, is that when you go and you get your recipe book and you go up to Tesco's and you realize that you're missing some of the ingredients, I'll tell you what you do. You do this. Sometimes I've done it many times. I look and I think, right, it says flat leaf parsley. I'm going to look for some and I can't find the flat leaf parsley. So I just get some parsley and we start to make our own mixes and ingredients. And you get back and you think, I'm going to cook this meal, but I realize there's, there's a few ingredients on that list I've not got. 
And what you do is you make your own ingredients up as you go along. Eventually, you stop using the book and you start making your own concoctions up. You could write your own book. And you begin to replace some of the essential ingredients in your life with stuff that's just not not there. It's not the right thing. The second commandment given in Exodus 20 says that we shouldn't make a God in our own image. Did you hear that? Some of you are saying, well, the, the commandments, that's history. Yeah? Well, Jesus came to fulfill the commandments, but sometimes we can do these things. We can make God in our own image. In other words, you make up your own recipe. You put in the things you want and you say, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I don't need him in that kind of way. So I'm going to just not include it or just have a kind of lower. I'm not going to have as much of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to put one teaspoon in, whereas they've got ten. I'm just going to have a little bit. Because I don't need it like they do. But listen, I believe Jesus wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. Not a little bit, full. In other words, full measure. Don't change the measures to suit you. To do the Exodus 20, making your God in your own image. So that you start to say, I'm going to just have a tiny bit of the Holy Spirit that suits my life. Because what you've effectively done is you've made a God in your own image. You've made a God that suits you. Look, I'm not here on fire for the Lord and trying to preach like this because I'm trying to be someone better. I just believe we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Happy. On fire for Jesus. Full measure. In fact, we all need more, don't we? We need more of him in our lives. He's the only thing that's going to keep you going. When the going gets tough, he's the thing that will keep you going. We make up our own recipes. The problem is that what we do is we suit our own thinking. We look for the things that's going to suit us. And Paul charged Timothy, reminded Timothy about this. He said this, he said, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 5, this is what he said, he says, A time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires or their own recipe, They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, he says, Paul to Timothy, you keep your head in all situations. In other words, make sure you keep your head screwed on. Make sure it's screwed on. Do not lose the view. Do not forget that I am a God of the miraculous. Do not forget that I am a God who can do great and mighty things. And always speak the truth. I'll tell you, there's some places we're going to see it more and more that they're going to change the way that they preach. They're going to avoid some of the most controversial subjects that have come your way when you turn on the news. I really believe that we've got to be a church. If we want to dream big, we've got to be a church that stays strong to the word of the Lord. We don't deviate from it. Even if we end up in jail. Do you still want to sign the membership form? But it's true. If you're going to deviate, if you're going to change the recipe to suit you, you're going to have to answer the Lord for that. But I believe we need to stand firm in our beliefs. Stand firm. With the truth that sets people free. Amen. Number two, the spirit will also give heavenly faith. 
heavenly faith. You see, what this story talks about is multiplication. It talks about the fact that Jesus says, guys, you know, you've seen the miracle. Matthew chapter 15, we've just fed 4,000 people. Did you not remember? You're listening to these guys. They've just said that they're trying to make it out like these signs are not real, that they're not real miracles, that really they want to see it come from heaven. Listen, you've just seen 4,000 people get fed. You've seen multiplication of seven loaves of bread multiplied to feed 4,000 people. Listen to me. You think these things are extraordinary? Yes, they are. But we can see the same kind of miracles if you believe. It's true. You can have a heavenly faith if you hang around with Jesus. If you let the Spirit of God permeate your life, you'll begin to see a faith rise up. You'll begin to see your faith levels increase to such a dramatic amount. But you've got to allow the Spirit of God to come inside to give you that faith. He's here today to give the gift of faith. To give you the gift of faith. See, this is what, let's just look back at what we read. Matthew 16, verse 8 says, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, He says, You of little faith, why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? How many basketfuls you gathered? Guys, you're talking about bread. Look, forget that I fed people, you had loads left over. Don't you understand that I am going to be the one who provides for you if you follow me? If you put the kingdom first, you'll get everything you need. Don't you remember? It wasn't just about feeding them just for a miracle. It was about me providing for you. People can corrupt your faith, but they can also... Sorry, corrupt your insight, but they'll also corrupt your faith. They're there to put negative words. I've I've had it many times recently. People putting down and making me feel like, should you believe for miracles? It's crazy. Just go back to the word of God. Read, read the book of Acts again. You'll soon, you'll soon be fueled up. But people put it down. They don't believe that miracles even happen today. I was at a place not so long ago where I went into a place and I was believing for miracles and praying and several people got healed. And as soon as I said, you know, we're going to pray for the sick. It was amazing. Everyone stepped back. They thought nothing was going to happen, it seemed. It just felt like that no one believed that anything could happen today. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a life like that where we just think, could it? Maybe? No, let's believe in the miraculous. Do you know the disciples, they needed in that boat a spiritual lift. And let me tell you, when you get good yeast, what does it do? It multiplies. It rises and multiplies, makes things bigger than what they really are. Because when the chemicals and everything begins to work through that dough, it magically rises, doesn't it? It allows that that dough to rise. And if you've got bad yeast and it doesn't rise and you've got negative influence, you're not going to get any rise in your life. But I believe that Jesus today wants to say to you that if you allow his spirit to come and permeate your life, he will give you the spiritual lift you need. And he will multiply. He will make things greater than who you are. If it's just relying on us, then there's nothing. But good yeast will allow things to rise. You know, these guys were probably in the boat hanging on to yesterday's miracle. They were like, you know, we, we saw that yesterday, but can it happen again? Some of you today maybe have seen things. You've seen God move, but you're thinking, yeah, that was yesterday. Can things happen again? Yes, they can. 
I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it says in Matthew where we read, it says that they had no bread and they were talking about forgetting the bread. I mean, you, you think it's crazy, don't you? You think if, if it was me, I'd have made sure I'd got lots. If, if, if God had have multiplied and left seven baskets, I'd have made sure I'd have took a freezer on the boat. I don't know about you. I'd have made sure we got lots of this bread with us for the journey. Have you ever, I'm, I'm a great stickler for this, but if I ever nip round to the shop round the corner, I'm always in the reduced to clear section. The deals are so miraculous, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I go out, Emma sends me out on a little errand to get some things, and I come back with so much stuff, because it's all, and it's all got orange stickers on, reduced to clear. And she says, can you freeze any of this? That's the first question. Can you freeze it? Yeah. I checked. And I come back with packets of chicken. I, this, we can use this, you know, reduced to clear 10p. It's a miracle. It is. It used to be £2.69, now 10p. That is a miracle. Get, get it in the basket. And I come back, and honestly, I, all I went round for is a packet of chewing gum, and I come back with about six. I once came back with about 15 packs of sliced chicken, because it was 10p. And I'm, all I'm doing is all night, I cannot believe the deal I got at co-op. I went in the other day, and he said, this sandwich is 79p. I said, normally you take these to 10p. I said, what's happened? He says, we've had a new, a new things come in. We can't go lower than 79p or something like that. I was gutted. 79p for a sandwich from 2 That's ridiculous. But I come back and when you see a good deal, you take it. And I can't believe these guys saw seven basketfuls left over from a miracle. You know, you'd think they'd have been taking the bread saying, this is miracle bread. You know, let's get it in the boat. Let's fill the boat, guys. We're going on a boat trip. And he says that they were talking about not having any bread. But I want you to just see something. Because in Mark chapter 8, same story, same description of the same story in Matthew chapter 16. He says this, Matthew 8 verse 14 to 15. He says, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Listen to this, except for one loaf. You didn't see that in Matthew. Except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Then, verse 15, be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the use of the Pharisees and that of Herod. In other words, what I find interesting when I see this is that actually one of them somewhere snuck in a loaf. Matthew, Matthew doesn't tell you anything about this. He's, he's, he's just not even included this bit. But this line is very important for me. I don't know if you see this, but the fact that one of the guys slips in a loaf in his rucksack... Because do you know why I believe he took it? Because he saw that multiplication happens when you bring the little you have. He saw that in Matthew 15, he knew that Jesus, when he took seven loaves, could multiply to 4,000 people. He knew that he could multiply if he brought something. And so I believe that one of them snuck in a little loaf and not everyone knew because obviously the person who spoke to Matthew didn't tell him about the loaf in the bag. But I believe that some of you today have got that little little bit ready. And the Lord wants to take what you have. You see, Jesus wasn't saying to them, you've got no faith. He says, little faith. He probably did spot the, the loaf. Guys, don't forget, you know you've got one loaf there. Well done. Because remember, I can multiply that. You've seen it already. And I want to encourage you today, bring the little that you have. Bring that one loaf. It's enough to multiply and to see what God wants to do in your life. They had faith in the spirit, but Jesus was warning about this yeast. I want you to think in your minds right now. Some of you think, I've not seen any miracle. I've not seen a miracle, so I don't know if I believe in all this. Let me tell you and remind you one thing. If you were saved... 
or you have seen someone get saved, you have seen the best miracle you're ever going to see. Did you hear that? If you have saved and you've, or you've seen someone saved through the message of the gospel, you have witnessed a better miracle than bread, multiplication. Some of us sometimes rate these miracles better than salvation. We look at them thinking, I want to see things with my eyes. That's what the Pharisees were like. But the truth is this, the greatest miracle, the power of God is salvation. If he saved you, then you've seen the greatest miracle. Everything else is a little bit lesser than that. But some of you are thinking, I haven't got enough faith to believe for miracles like this, or healing, or miraculous healing. No, if, you, if you've got saved, then your heart has been changed. The greatest miracle is the, the fact that Jesus Christ can turn a person and change them into something new. It's the greatest thing. You see, Paul described this in Romans 1 verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. The word power that he uses is the word dunamis. And that word means miracle power. Special power. I know when I got saved, it needed a miracle. It needed more power than changing bread and multiplying bread to turn me from the sinner I was. This person I was inside, this dirty person. To be clean again. I want to encourage you today. If you're saved and you're sat in your chair. You have witnessed. You have been part of. If you're saved the greatest miracle there is. So don't say to me. I've not seen a miracle. You've seen salvation. You've seen a miracle. Finally. Number three. If you let the spirit of God come into your life. This ingredient. The Holy Spirit be part of your daily walk. You'll receive heavenly identity. Says that they arrive at Caesarea. Jesus then asked Peter, he says, Peter, who am I? You know, they've just had this conversation. They've had the negativity of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He talks to them in the boat, and then they arrive at Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. They arrive there, and he says to Peter, he says, Who do people say I am? Who do you think I am, Peter? You've seen some of the evidence, you've seen the miracles, you've seen this. Who am I? What does Peter say? He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus says back to him this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, natural signs, you know, forecasting abilities. It's not natural signs that's done this. The thing that has revealed it is my father in heaven. My Father in heaven is the one who's revealed that to you by his spirit. He's the one who's done that. It's not by any natural sign. It's not by any manna falling from the sky. It's not by anything, any miracle. My Father in heaven has revealed it to you, to your spirit, that I am who I say I am. And you read the scriptures onwards, you will find that he also tells Peter that he's a rock. He gives him an identity. Just a few weeks ago, I'm not sure if she's here this morning, Marion came to me. Is she here, Marion? She's there. She came to me, and lots, lots of people do this. By the way, after this, please don't come ever, bombard me with passport application forms to sign. And she came, and she, bless her, she was queuing up and waiting, and, and she, she said to me, Phil, can I just chat to you? I want you to sign. She didn't ask for a prayer. She says, can, I, can you just sign the back of my passport photo? And I thought, bless her, she's been waiting. Of course I will. So we go downstairs, get a coffee, and I, I sign the documents. 
and sign a photograph to testify of who she was. To say, you know, I know this person. I'm going to sign the picture now. And so I do. And then I sign the document. And it says, sign here. Anyway, I thought, well, bless her. I've done what she needs. And then a few weeks later, she comes back. She says, Phil, it didn't work. I thought, what has happened now? Is she not who she says she is? Did she lie to me all these years? And she says, it's, it's all gone wrong because it's your fault. I said, she didn't put it like that. She didn't put it like that, but, you know, I'm just putting words in her mouth. I said, what have I done? She said, look at the passport application. She says, you signed it. You, didn't, you went outside the box. I said, I'm so sorry. After weeks and months of her coming to me, I went outside the box. I didn't even realize I'd gone, out, gone outside the box. She went all the way to the office. They said, you can't, we cannot accept this. Whoever signed this for you is not very wise. <laughs> you see, he signed outside the box. Go and tell him. Get this person out of your life. He's a bad influence. <laughs> so she came to me. So I had to re-sign the documents again. I'll tell you this time I made sure I was in the box. Have you ever done that? You, you're, so, you're shaking, trying to make sure you're in the box. <laughs> I made sure I was in the box. My signature was about that big. I thought, I cannot, I cannot have Marion coming after me again. So I signed in the box. But you know what? Some of you today have lost your identity. You've got no idea who you are in Christ anymore. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. You're stuck in this place where you find that you've got no heavenly uh, insight or spiritual identity because the influences in your life have caused you to think differently. And you lose your spiritual identity. The only identity you're left with is the identity of the flesh. The only identity left is that. But I want to say this to you this morning. When Jesus came... When God the Father sent his son, he did not sign outside of the box. He did not miss and get something wrong. Today his word to you is by his spirit that I am the perfect one. I came and died for you on the cross. I shed my life for you. My blood was poured out for you. And there is nothing that is wrong with his sacrifice that gives you the identity that you have today. The enemy comes and says this, ah, on paper, it can't be right. You know, it must be, it must be wrong. I wouldn't believe that identity if I was you. Do you know he went, he went into the desert and threatened Jesus himself with that. Tried to question Jesus. Are you who you think you are? And the word is sometimes in your minds as you lose that spiritual identity. And the enemy comes and says that, you know, what the Bible says, it's, it's probably not correct. And you feel like you're in this place now where you've got an application where someone's proving who you are and it's outside the box. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, it was perfect. He fulfilled everything for you. He did not sign outside the box. He paid the price on the cross for each and every one of us that we might be saved. The Holy Spirit reveals that truth in us. He reveals our identity. If you don't allow the Spirit of God to be part of your life, what happens is you lose your identity. 
The voice of God will give you the insight, faith for the miraculous, for things above and beyond. But he'll also tell you, look, you are a child of God. You are a child of the living God. Don't listen to the enemy. Remind yourself who you are. And he says to Peter, well done, Peter. Well done, Pete. You got it. You didn't listen to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You've got the good balance because you made sure the bad ingredient was on your list. In fact, because you know who I am, you will rise and you'll be a rock. You will build. You'll build bigger than who you are. Look, Jesus, when he is part of your life and the Spirit of God is part of your life, do you know what? You'll be bigger than what you really are. He wants to make you all bigger than what you really are. If you rely on the flesh, you're nothing. Within, we are everything. In the book of John, he says, remain in me. Let my spirit remain in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Let him be the vine in your life. In John 15 verse 16 he says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Did you hear that? He chose you. It was his divine desire to choose you and me. Amen. To choose you. Have you lost your identity today? Have you said, I don't know if he did choose me, I'm not sure. And your Christianity now is based on a set of rules. It's on rules. It's not on identity anymore. It's on rules. God says this. I'm just going to try and stick to the commandments and keep failing. Ask forgiveness. Listen, his grace can set you free. His grace is here today to break the chains. His grace is here today to set the captives free. His grace is here to bring freedom to the prisoner in their minds and their hearts. His grace is here to heal the sick. Amen? Don't let your identity be based on what man says. Don't let man's negativity influence you any longer than it should do. I remember when we were planning to have a a baby. And I used to sit there with spreadsheets every night. Trying to work out, is this possible? You know, this much income... Uh, this much, you know, can can I afford this? And then you, you know, I, I, for those who are parents here today, you're, you'll realize that actually everything you put on a spreadsheet, there's always double. So I, I'm sorry to scare those who are doing spreadsheets. I'm really sorry. but And then I'd go to work and I'd say, you know, we, we'd love to have children. And, you know, it's so expensive, isn't it? And the, people said to you, it never looks right on paper. You just got to do it. And you think, wow. But I, I need to know. I need to know that we can afford this. They said, no, you just got to go ahead and do it. The truth is it never does work out because it always does cost more than you think. You know, God's provided and he blesses us. If we want children that are blessing from God, amen. We've got, some, we've got lots of couples here who are going to be expecting. I believe God's going to bless you all. Don't worry about these things. He says, seek his kingdom first, amen. But if you try and work it all on paper, you'll see it doesn't work. It never does. But God's calculation over you on your life was that he decided he wanted to choose you. Have you ever thought about this? I want to remind you today that when I, as a father now, before I had children, I was trying to decide, is this the right thing? Can we afford it? Can we do it? I want to just show you something as we come to a close just shortly. In John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. 
children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, before the foundations of the earth, God the Father, God the Father decided to choose you. As the Spirit hovered over the waters and we see in Genesis, before creation came to be, Jesus, it says, was with the Father. In, in Him all things were made. But before the world came to be, before you were even here, before anything was here, He decided He made the decision, not human, that you would be born of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God, Jesus, the Father, the Trinity, they make this decision. They say, we want to have children, spiritual children. And they look and they decide on their spreadsheet, as it were, and they realize that a cost would need to be put in one column and it would be Jesus Christ would have to come to pay the price for his children. Is this going to be possible? And Jesus leaves heaven. And he is born. As a man. Clothed. The God himself clothed in flesh. The word becomes flesh. Dwelt among us. And he comes on the earth. For you and for me. To what? To fulfill the spreadsheet. What it costs for children. You are his Children, saved or not, he's bought you with a price. Today he wants to remind you that he chose you. Therefore, no, there is an identity that was written in heaven before you came to be. The Father wrote it over your life. The Spirit of God is here. We all say where two or three are gathered in his name. Do you know what? Wherever you are, he's there. Forget the two or three. He's wherever you are. But you know, there's times when we invite the Spirit of God to come because some of us need to be filled. Maybe you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you do not know what it is to live with this essential ingredient, what it would take to change your life. I'm not going to say he's going to turn your life upside down because that doesn't sound very good. He's going to turn your life the right way up. He wants to turn your life the right way up. To get rid of the heart of stone. To get rid of that hardness. Do you know, no man can do that. But the one, the one who decided that you would be born of his spirit, wants to fill you, not only be with you, but to fill you, to permeate your life. Good yeast. That will rise, multiply, do above and beyond what you can imagine in your life. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.17. Paul says this, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, 
go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.